Greetings, one and all, and welcome to another episode of Dream Slayer Studios RPG Podcast Actual Plays. Chris Tyner here yet again as your host and GM, and I thought I'd take a moment to give you a little introduction about our latest campaign. This time we will be playing in the Savage Worlds game system in a steampunk-oriented world of my own creation entitled Avalon by Gaslight. In this episode, you will get to know the world that we will be playing in, and here are the description of the characters that will take center stage in our campaign. So, without further ado, let us begin. Avalon by Gaslight is an alternate reality born out of Victorian England, set in a time period parallel to the Victorian era and traipsing through the years of World War I in our world. In Avalon, the worlds of fiction and reality collide. The works of H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Lewis Carroll, and other popular authors of that time exist alongside historical figures and modern fictional characters that have roots that date back to that era as well. Towards the beginning of the Victorian era, trade with China came under fire with the First Opium War. During a naval battle, an explosion opened up a long-forgotten cave, which awakened the ancient Chinese dragon Qinglong. The British army battled the dragon, capturing it and returning it to England. The beast was tortured and studied, its cries heard throughout all of London. The cries of the great beast awakened the old spirits of Avalon, bringing mythical creatures back to life while drawing others that had been hidden out of the shadows. The resurgence of magic that followed brought about a new awakening of mortal men to the ways of magic, weakening the forces of paradox thus allowing the common man access to powers that had only been available to the awakened. Many humans feared the powers of magic and turned instead towards industry and science. Great strides were made in the use of steam tech, which was initially used to combat the ways of magic. Now, nearly 75 years since what was to become known as the Great Awakening, magic and science coexist in a fantastic world of steampunk fantasy. The world is broken up into four distinct groups. The Awakened, those who have embraced the traditions of magic. The Crafters, who have adopted technology in the form of the schools of science. The Chimera, mythological creatures who were brought back into reality or returned to power during the Great Awakening. And the Mundanes, humans that have by choice decided to stay pure turn their backs on both science and magic. The government of Avalon put in place a secret organization with the purpose of protecting the people of England from those who would seek to use these new powers and technology to undermine Avalon's ruling bodies and put the people in danger. The Knights of Victoria arose as mercenaries, detectives, scholars, and scientists to stand for the rights of the people. After months of training, our players are about to be inducted into Her Majesty's Secret Service, the Knights of Victoria. And now that you have a little background on Avalon by Gaslight, 
Let's take a listen in on the last few stages of our character creation. Hope you all enjoy. So, Kurt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'd be happy to. All right. So, my name is Henry Huntington Hart, uh, Sir Henry Huntington Hart. So, I live in an old church. I've never been married. um, And I've been a part of many expeditions uh, since I was 20 years old. I took my first ex- expedition when I was 20, about 19, 20 years old to the Ar- Antarctic on a famous, it went around the world. And we were actually trapped on in the ice for, um, in the HMS in, in investigator, we were trapped in the ice for three years down there. We had to eventually abandon the ship. You can read all about it. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty historic. Uh, um, it was the McClure Arctic Expedition of 1850 was my first. And then I went on many more. Um, and, um, you know, in one expedition, I, uh, one of our, my fellow sailors, sailors fell over the side of the ship and I dove in to save him and, uh, a shark got my leg and, uh, that's why I don't walk so well. And I walk with a cane and, uh, you know, the Royal Society of London has sponsored many of my trips. So I'm very connected. I, I, I didn't grow up with money, but I sort of wove my way into the society of London through storytelling, through charismatic storytelling at, uh, at dinners, I became kind of a, a guest that was often invited. And, uh, and I carry my cane that has a rabbit's head that looks like this. And my cane has, uh, was given to me uh, by my mentor and it has certain abilities. In modern terms, we might think of it as like Batman's utility belt. So that's, that's uh, all for, for me. I, I live alone, don't get around so well, um, not particularly wealthy, uh, you know, but, and I was planning on retiring until, until we were all called. So that's my story. Excellent. Um, Dana, how about you? Um, I don't want to go next. Okay, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to go after Kurt. Kurt's always the wolf. Well, yeah. Like a Who else has a slideshow? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start off by saying I am an alcoholic. <laughs> oh. oh, Kurt, what what is your um, archetype and faction? Yeah, my uh, in terms of the game, my archetype, I'm an explorer. Um, and Wayfarers is my faction. They're the travelers of the world. So travel and learning from travel. I've been to the Amazon. I've been all, over, all absolutely about everywhere in the world you can imagine. Um, I'm very good with firearms. Uh, often we were called on to do different kinds of fighting. Uh, and I became, you know, I would practice on the ship with guns and stuff like that. So I'm very good with firearms. It's one of my skills. And I'm pretty handy in a, in a combat. I'm not so fast. I can't get away. But I'm pretty good when when it comes to comes to sort of dealing with hand to hand or or range combat. Also, pretty good survivalist, and I can manage my way on a on a on a boat or or even maybe a dirigible of some kind. Okay. Well, since Dana doesn't want to go next, how about Christy? So this is my character. This is Charlie Idris Chapelwick. And I was um, sent away by my parents at a young age to stay at the monastery um, of the Church of England Templars, um, which is in North Africa. And while I was there, we were on a nature hike 
up on a mountainous trail and I slipped off and they didn't see that this happened. Um, and I fell silently and um, then was knocked unconscious from the, the concussion and the pain when I hit the ground. And I was missing for some unknown amount of time. And when I came to, I was wrapped in this camel hair blanket at the gates of the monastery. And they were calling off the search because they'd found me. They unwrapped me and found that my arm was now fully clockwork. Um, so I had, I had shattered my arm on the way down or at the bottom and that had been replaced while I was in and out of consciousness. So um, at that point in the, in the local area, some rumors began to spread that the activities of these English people had disturbed the spirits and that the jinn had returned and they were playing tricks like you know having me go missing from the monastery and then having my arm go missing and be suddenly replaced and meanwhile the monks were kind of baffled by seeing this technology which seemed more advanced than they were used to in clockwork so in order to calm the situation they sent me back to England promptly but my parents were nowhere to be found um, so I was orphaned and destitute and found my way to London, as you do, um, to try to find work. And that's when I fell in with a group of, of youth who banded together and did odd jobs working um, for consulting detectives and picking some pockets and whatnot. So I um, came to know Mr. Sherlock Holmes and after several stints abroad in various locations, I was recommended by Mr. Holmes to the Knights of Victoria. And um, along the way, because of um, some intriguing side effects related to my arm and my, my reluctance to let anyone actually get involved in it and take a look at it, I learned to do my own repairs and tinker with it. And I became sort of the odd jobsman and tinkerer and the mechanic and the bomb maker and the bomb diffuser and the uh, weapons master of the irregulars and any other um, sort of mercenary operations that I've been involved in since then. I think that's kind of it. Cool. And what's her archetype and faction? Um, the mechanic and the brotherhood of Da Vinci so you don't know where the arm came from. Is that, is that right? Because you're in and out of consciousness when you, so you don't know how you got this arm. That's right. I mean, it's, it's clockwork, but there are some things that go on. Like I have, you know, I'm tingling and it, it keeps me awake at night, but also I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of um, something happening to me, um, being whisked away or being disappeared. So I have these night terrors. Um, so that keeps me up. And also it, it basically heals me. Like I, I, I don't get sick. My vigor score is very high. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so there's a little bit, um, there's a little bit of something going on there. It might be possessed by gin. I might have a haunted arm. <laughs> very nice right. uh, Dana are you prepared now I guess so <laughs> okay bear with me 
Lady Moira Katrina Ellsworth McKenzie is the niece of famous explorer and archaeologist Laird Colin McKenzie. Uh, she was adopted by her uncle and his partner, Hassani, when her mother Katrina died in childbirth. Katrina only lived long enough to name her daughter and kiss her on the forehead. Her father, Sir Richard Ellsworth, was a general. and He died of malaria in India about a month before she was born. Uh, Moira's uncles took her all over the world and taught her about various cultures. Hassani taught her Swahili and about the different countries and peoples of Africa. Uncle Mac taught her the, power, uh, the proper way to treat an archeological site, how to speak and read Greek, Arabic, Italian, German, French, and some ancient languages such as Gallic and Egyptian or Gaelic, depending on where you come from, right, Christy? They also taught her to shoot all manner of guns, the proper way to hold a knife in a fight, and how to live outdoors for a long period of time, using only what is available in nature to survive. Uh, let's see, when she was seven, her uncle hired a governess who often traveled with them to help her learn maths, the history of Britain, and how to behave as a proper English lady. Moira learned early on to code switch between high society and the many worldly cultures she has grown to love. Uh, she had a knack for gaining the trust of shamans, white witches, medicine men, etc., <clears throat> that she met on her travels. They saw something special in her and entrusted her with their arcane knowledge. She became quite practiced in the magical arts of many cultures. While on an expedition in Tibet, her uncle Hassani was shot and killed by a rival expedition leader. Uncle Mac and Moira were devastated. They took Hassani's body back to his homeland and gave him a proper burial. And then they went back to their home, an isolated estate in the highlands of Scotland, where the closest town is Inverness. Uncle Mac didn't come out of his room for weeks and eventually succumbed to starvation and a broken heart. He is buried on the estate under a large oak tree. Uh, Moira inherited the large estate and uses her wealth to help the underprivileged as often as she can. Uh, and I'm going to leave the rest of this off of here and I'll talk to Chris about that later. Go ahead. And what is her archetype and faction? Well, she is an explorer, but uh, she practices bohemian mist magic. Is that the, the faction? Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. That'll be fun. Okay. All right. Uh, Mikey. Like Alice in Wonderland kind of stuff. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural uh, appreciation is what I'm hoping for. Not appropriation. Just so you'll know that. <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> All right, Mike, Mikey D, you want to go? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have anywhere near the detailed backstory as, as all of my colleagues so far have. <laughs> but so, so Father Jonah Mapple lived, uh, had a long, long career as a, a sailor of uh, different types, whether it was um, in the Navy or in like a merchant ship or whaling or, or hunting down sea monsters or whatever. He was, he was, that's what he was, was a sailor from the time he was a boy. Um, and because of his name, his, his first name, Jonah, he always sort of got accused of being bad luck. That's the, 
term Jonah is what sailors would use for somebody who was, was bad luck, like a cursed person. You know, like if a guy came on ship and the weather was really bad, they was like, oh, it's obviously that guy's fault. And so they would like throw him overboard or threaten him or something until things got better. And so he, he had kind of a rough and tumble sort of brawly existence, sort of defending himself and, and proving himself. And so he, he's, he's really kind of a physical person, like, you know, kind of barrel chested, you know, calloused hands, uh, wizened face kind of guy until, you know, sort of late in his career, uh, he was on a shipwreck or, or on a ship that wrecked and um, was one of the only survivors and figured that it was obviously because he had some sort of calling to attend to and devoted his life since to uh, the ministry of, of some sort, you know, the, he, his, 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 categories are he's, he's clergy and of the celestial chorus and so he's sort of dedicated his life to to serving the one um in sort of a mix of a mix of religion and sort of like old sailor superstition um so it's kind of his old his own flavor of religious service and and sort of that kind of not like the the supportive clergy but like the clergy that will beat you into salvation because that's, you know, kind of combined with his previous life. That's all I got so far. That's good. I like that. And I tell you, based off of that, I think that you should probably change the focus of your powers, the magic, to faith instead. Okay. Uh, because I think that may actually come more into play based off of some of the things that you may be facing. So like, like look, look at like the miracle stuff in the book instead uh, of the spells. Or? It's all the same. That's all the same stuff. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. It's just, that's just how it's defined. Gotcha. So uh, with his, with his own religion, then he, he's kind of developed his own warp sense of church. Yeah, so exactly. He, so, so he could be part of the church of our. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like sort of kind of, ill-informed on the religious side, like kind of bolstered by all of the superstition and just beliefs that he thinks are right, that maybe they are, maybe they're not. But to the point where he he believes it so much that he gains power from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Andy, you want to go? So mine kind of, you know, like uh, you guys heard tonight, kind of changed a little bit. Still the same character think i can still go with this guy kind of as my character i am in by nature now a clockwork and here's how i got there uh so i was once part of the english monarchy marques warwick axel hieronymus is my name and i lived the grand life of the english monarchy uh as such i attended the best colleges uh, worked under known professors of the time. I studied everything from history to science, mechanical engineering, at the same time learning how to shoot, uh, fencing, horseback riding, weight training, even the, you know, the modern equivalent at that point of parkour, if you will. Kind of a man of all talents and ideas of being a proper English gentleman of the time, if you will. 
after my education, I traveled through Europe, staying and being entertained by several royal houses across Europe. Uh, upon my 35th birthday, I received word that my parents suddenly died. Uh, my brother, um, who is the Earl Domino Rupric Hieronymus, he uh, basically is implicated in their murder. And as a, as a result, uh, I went after him and we came to battle in the North Shores of England and very, some, very close to Hadrian's Wall. And if you know about Hadrian's Wall, that was the divide between the Roman army and the Celtic army. And if you go back and look at Arthurian legend, a lot of people believe that uh, Merlin was a Celtic wizard in that regard. And so he and I, he and I battled and he fell over the cliff. And at the same time, uh, while he fell, he took and mutilated half of my face. Um, as a result, I ended up in this case now dying and was taken in by some Prometheus nuns who nursed me back to health, but what they did was they used steam technology and they transferred my soul th through the use of a stone that they found in Hadrian's wall into a clockwork men. So I am now a high British royal by birth stuck in a clockwork men who is looked down upon in this society. Um, so as a result, I was shunned by all of her, all English of my rank and title, and I made my way to the United States, where or America, as we called it at that time, and I traveled through the United States of America to learn and experience their styles of living, uh, but also picking up and becoming friends with Nikola Tesla. And he helped develop some of my internal workings further and a couple of weapons that I may further develop. Um, and so all the while kind of putting my ear to the ground and listening for whispers of my brother, because the one thing that I am dead set upon, it's revenge. And that is revenge for my family, revenge for myself against my brother, because I believe he is still alive and out there. Nice switch. Wow, you added sure did add a lot to that tonight. That's great. Yeah, I, that was last minute change on a couple of things there. <laughs> uh, and I guess my background, just because of my education, is more military. I didn't serve in the military, but but you know, any high English person would have been schooled in military theory and training, and then I would be part of the Germans Brigade as my uh, can't think of what that is i don't want to say cult but that's not right faction faction mm -hmm. okay awesome right mike age go woefully unprepared <laughs> uh g'day mates my name is bendigo jack <laughs> i'm from down under i grew up in the outback uh i'm actually third generation australian my grandfather I guess it'd be my great-grandfather, was sent down there to Van Diemen's Island when it was a penal colony for making rowdy jokes about the Queen. 
Uh, and they didn't really, you know, apparently he said it to some of the Royal Guard and they didn't like it. So they ran it up the pole and found him at the pub. He was still rowdy and a bit drunk, told the joke again, shipped him off. That's where we came from. So I don't know how to read. I don't know how to write. I don't really know my numbers, but I know how to live off the land. I can fight a kangaroo. I can hold me alcohol. So I'm relatively resourceful. I'm used to bootstrapping stuff together because in the outback, you don't have shit. Uh, you just pretty much have a bunch of junk that you got to find lying around. You got to make something out of it. Uh, my mum was also an Australian. She met my dad there. Uh, he sort of disappeared when I was young, went on walkabout and just never came back. Uh, I went looking for him once and ended up going up to Northern Territory and uh, hanging out at Big Rock up there called Uluru. Um, spent a couple of weeks out there. It's hot as hell. Uh, saw some really strange stuff. It was my first introduction to magic. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Hung out with some Aborigines for a bit, picked their brains. Uh, and then, you know, when I came of age, they said, get out. What are you going to do out here in the desert? I said, I don't know. So I uh, hopped a ship, went back to the motherland, and, uh, you know, found out about the Knights of Victoria and just started poking around. And I don't know, I'm here to, you know, have some fun, have some drinks, maybe save the world. That's, uh, that's about what I got right there. <laughs> and what's your uh, faction and uh, archetype? Oh, yeah, I'm an explorer, uh, part of Da Vinci's Brotherhood, and I hate bloody spiders. <laughs> Every one of them down there will kill you. You think the snakes are bad, the spiders are the size of your head, and they'll sneak up on you, bite you in the dark. <laughs> so Okay, I just want to point out, Kurt, you brought a PowerPoint. Mike, <laughs> you, brought the, you brought the magic, man. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt. You know. I'm yeah, sure really. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> It was a lot more homework than I was expecting. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, I don't read and write. So, and oh, yeah, and I'm ugly as sin too. You get punched in the face by a kangaroo a couple times, take a couple kicks to the gut, and then wrestle an emu to the ground. And yeah, well, you're not exactly a looker for the Sheilas, but you know, a little bit of charm in there somewhere, hopefully. And hopefully, I can come up with this accent for the entire time too, because. Uh, yeah, it comes God. and goes, but I think by the end it might be back. It might be all right. She'll be <laughs> okay. right, mate. Yeah, thank you. And, thank you. and we found our comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Now, you said that your mom yeah. was um, Australian. Yep. Is it possible she might be native? You know, she might have been. She never really told me a whole lot about her history. Her name was Jade, which is kind of a strange name for an Aussie. Uh, usually they go with something simple like Sheila or Ashley or Courtney <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, I never, I, I grew up with my granddad, which is my dad's dad mm -hmm. uh, and my mom. We were, you know, living out in the bush. Um, but I never met any of my extended family from her side. So, you know, what? that might be something worth exploring. I think so. Yeah. That might bring a, a, another quality to your character a little bit. You know, if she was a native Aborigine, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, you could potentially be mixed race, uh, which could bring, you know, an element to that character there as well, especially being in England at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it may bring a little bit of a mystical kind of background to him that, you know, we might be able to explore a little bit there too. Yeah. Well, that would also explain why whenever they found me up there at Uluru, which is sort of like a holy site for them, uh, they didn't kill me. Right. Instead, they invited me over to have some rabbit and chat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm about to do a bit more research on that. And that's all for our introduction to Avalon by Gaslight. 
The first official episode is posted now, so tune in, subscribe, and enjoy. Thanks for listening.